two, three, go. Okay. Welcome to Sports Med Res's This Week in Review podcast, where we highlight the recent news in sports medicine research. Over the past few weeks, we've had five posts on sportsmedres.org. That's res.org. In the first post, we described the study where the authors reported that among judo athletes, 14 days of grape juice supplementation can improve the antioxidant profile. However, grape juice fails to improve fatigue after combat simulation. In the second post, we reported on a study where the authors noted that patients undergoing an anterior cruciate ligament reconstruction with preoperative depression were more likely to take opioids before and obtain more than one opioid refill post-surgery. However, they did not have greater odds of chronic post-operative opioid use than those without preoperative depression. We also highlighted an inter-association consensus recommendations for pitch-side emergency care and personal protective equipment for elite sport during COVID-19 pandemic. In a fourth post, we discussed a study where the authors found that asymptomatic runners with ultrasound-based tendon abnormalities are two and a half to three times more likely to develop future Achilles or patellar tendon pain within 12 months. Finally, we highlighted a paper that we will discuss today with Dr. Jane McDevitt that described a mindfulness intervention for people with patellofemoral pain. Hi, Jane. So it's a pleasure to have you with us today to discuss an article that you had summarized for the website. Uh, and the key take-home message from this was really that athletes with patellofemoral pain experienced better and longer-lasting patient-reported outcomes after completing an eight-week mindfulness program with an exercise program compared to people who were performing the exercise program alone. So I'm kind of wondering, what was it that caught your eye about this paper that made you want to write it up? And what do you think was kind of the, some of the interesting aspects of it? Thank you so much for having me, Jeff. I'm, I'm really excited to discuss this. So um, first and foremost, there is not a lot of therapeutic exercise um, research articles being published. It's really difficult to do a therapeutic exercise um, study. It's typically you need to hold a lot of similar injuries for a prolonged amount of time. So it's really difficult. So I feel like the success of this uh, study so uh, the Bagheri et al. being able to do a prospective with a two-month follow-up uh, was really impressive. And I thought also the idea of mindful meditation and bringing in the psychological uh, aspect of recovering is really important and, again, is another understudied, underpublished field in athletic training. Um, so... I really liked that they picked a uh, the patellofemoral pain because who has not had a patient with patellofemoral pain and um, you know wasn't didn't have an easy time during the rehab. This is a really tough chronic injury, um, you know, to rehab. So I thought that they picked um, a really smart injury to perform this on, and I think uh, you know. 
a tough common injury that has this chronic aspect where they will be able to really um, dig into the fear and the psychological components. I also really liked their mix of clinical and patient reported out outcome measures. They used several different patient reported outcome measures such as the um, knee, the COOS ADL and the uh, fear, um, uh, fear patient reported outcome measure. But then they also, you know, looked at um, some running, um, running clinical outcomes uh, and, and pain related to running. So I thought it gives both the, um, you know, the full disablement, you know, model, you know, both the clinical and the patient reported outcome measure to give a full well-rounded um, look at these patients. Yeah, and to um, your point too, that like this was kind of a tricky um, condition to rehab. I really like the idea that they started the mindfulness intervention four weeks before they started the exercise and then they continued it for four, the first four weeks of the exercise program. And I think like in a lot of the chronic conditions, we often see like, oh, here's the Tai Chi study and it, here's the yoga study. And they've been very effective in things like osteoarthritis and low back pain. But this was a really a, a unique approach, it seems like, because it was different types of meditation. It was gentle yoga. Um, so it was a bit of a combination of different approaches to that mindfulness intervention. Yeah, and if you look at the mindfulness meditation, they do give you a rundown on what they did week by week. It's in uh, the supplementary information to, uh, version uh, part two. Um, and you can see that much like a therapeutic exercise progression, the mindfulness strategies progressed to you know learning and understanding stress to you know introduce inter being introduced to walking meditation and like you said, practicing yoga meditation. Um, and I do think that, you know, when we think about clinically translating this research, you know, we have to think about when would this be most appropriate? Um, and I'm not sure we would have a buy-in for an acute, you know, injury. I feel like, like you said, they started this four weeks before they even started the therapeutic exercise. So, you know, would this work with an acute injury? I'm not really sure because you wouldn't have the time to really make sure that you are training them as, um, you know, because you, they would have to start, you know, some of the modalities and early range, ranging um, exercises, you know, early. But I think that this would be a good strategy to think about and to at least start um, you uh, implementing with more of your chronic patients. And then as you get more comfortable, uh, with it, you know, um, looking at other injuries uh, that you could work with. The yeah. other, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. The other thing that um, I just want to bring up that I unfortunately I'm going to say is a disadvantage is that the mindful meditation was done by a trained psychologist. Um, and the supplemental information is a bit vague. So they don't go into all of the nitty gritty on how you are training them and how long, you know, this kind of takes. Um, and, you know, this does take a good a bit of buy-in from the patient because they do have a 45-minute home exercise mindfulness meditation uh, program that they're supposed to do as well. So 
um, definitely some things to think about and to practice and to read into before you, you know, dive in. Uh, just kind of wanted to make sure that um, our subscribers were kind of looking at that little, you know, bit of the research, you know, uh, that this wasn't done, you know, just by an athletic trainer in a quiet room, that this was done by a psychologist. But the other thing was that it wasn't one-on-one. -on -one. This was done in small groups of seven to eight uh, patients at a time. So it um, it's not like you have to do this one-on-one. -on -one. You can do this kind of training uh, and this mindful meditation strategies in small groups. Yeah, I think that was what is actually just going to chime in on was the sports psychologist aspect and the group aspect make it a bit unique and potentially challenging to do. But at the same time, I mean, yes, in an ideal world, we would translate this to clinical practice the way that the investigators had done the trial. But there's been such an increase in focus, I feel like, recent over the last year or two about mindfulness training and um, daily life as well as for the injured population. And you, I wonder if, you know, this could be eventually studied or implemented concurrently with rehab so that they overlap. Um, and if it could be done with shorter things, like I think a lot of the mobile applications, um, that or work on mindfulness, I actually focus on just starting with like a few minutes a day, Absolutely. um, and then trying to carry the skills you learn throughout your day. So it might be 45 minutes throughout the day, but it's really broken up into these one minute intervals. And I kind of wonder if, um, we will see that, you know, I, as a clinician, might not feel comfortable implementing mindfulness, but I am comfortable suggesting, hey, why don't you at least try this mobile application that is pretty good at delivering mindfulness therapy and see if it helps you? Yeah, I, I mean, and I think it, that those kind of small changes, I think, will bring about some positive clinical um, patient, uh, patient outcomes um, because the, I mean, their findings, their results were pretty large um, among, you know, every single uh, outcome that they, you know, that they found. There were significant, um, you know, decreases in pain intensity, fear of re-injuring, pain catastrophizing, and increased knee function and coping management of pain um, in those that practice the um, mindful meditation compared to the exercise only. Um, and I just feel like because the mindful meditation really did check every single box where they really did have better, larger outcomes than the, um, exercise group, you know, try, trying to put this into uh, practice, maybe not exactly like they did, but like you said, pick out a couple of things that you're comfortable with and, and try it. And try and get that buy-in in your uh, in your community, in your athletic community, in your patient community. Um, you know, so everybody, you know, will at least try and you know and be good with this because, like you said, it, there is a home exercise, uh, there is a home meditation component, but you break it up into you know little bits during the day. Yeah, I mean. I see this as kind of the natural evolution of where we've seen sports medicine going, you know, like a few years ago, there was this big increase in discussion about assessing the psychological outcomes after a physical injury. And 
the psychological consequences of ACL injuries and how those can influence outcomes down the road. It makes sense that the next thing that we're going to begin focusing on maybe in the next few years is, well, how do we do a mind-body intervention? How do we deliver a rehabilitation program paired with something that's going to target the psychology, whether mindfulness intervention or some other psychology-based intervention? And I think this is another space where clinicians have an opportunity to perhaps be ahead of the curve and say, let me have you try using this app and let's see how it works for you. And then if that clinician then publishes that as a case study or just raises a flag saying, hey, this works really well for my patients, it helps kind of spread the word of, huh, that app for five minutes a day was pretty good with that person's rehab program. I should do that. And maybe then the research can catch up and say, oh, let's do a clinical trial to kind of verify that. But that's a, this is a great example where clinicians are likely going to be ahead of the curve and would be awesome if we could actually see some case studies of people saying, I tried this, it worked. Yeah, I would, yeah, I would love a mini case series or like you said, a case report, case study, um, you know, stating what app did they use? And then, you know, with the case series or something, what is some of the smaller dose responses? Um, what are the different injuries that could be, you know, treated with this? Um, the, uh, the other thing that I really like about it, and I think one of the reasons why, and I, I agree with that clinicians are going to be at the forefront of this, is that um, it is it, typically, it's free. It's easy to kind of explain. And with these small bits, it's easy to implement uh, the small, you know, bits of time. And we hate unitaskers, right? So this is very, this is a very versatile um, addition to your therapeutic exercise program that could be very diverse. Though this article, you know, used a very specific group, you know, there is a huge difference between research and clinical practice, right? Researchers have to use this systematic approach, whereas researchers can, or clinic clinicians can pick and choose, you know, what little bits that they want to put into their clinical practice. And I would, like you said, I would love to see those case studies and case reports. Yeah, so to kind of wrap up, I think the clinical implication that you added on to the post here is perfect in the sense of, you know, for clinicians, look at into mindfulness, see if, if how you think it can fit into your practice and try pairing it with exercises to really maximize your outcomes. And I guess the added additional part to that is then let us know how it works. Yeah. And yeah. Who then, it works. Because I love to read, read it. Yeah. Well, thanks, Jane, for taking the time today to chat about this uh, article. It's a very interesting article, and hopefully it'll inspire some clinicians to try something new. Yeah, thanks again for having me. This was a delightful conversation. Don't forget that we also share extra material on social media. And if you're an athletic trainer who's looking for evidence-based practice CEUs, then please check out our six online evidence-based practice courses available through the Human Kinetics website. We will have links to our summaries and the courses on our website and in our show notes. Remember, you can always follow us on Twitter, Facebook, or LinkedIn. We will be back next week with more sports medicine research. Until then, have a fun one.